0: Welcome to the rough places into level ground podcast, where we'll be studying various scriptures and their application to our lives. And as we come to God's word, he promises to lead us in ways we do not know in paths that we have not known and to turn our darkness into light and rough places into level ground. Welcome to today's study. I'm Jackie Burns and I'll be your host. And the Lord asks, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Do you begrudge my generosity? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rough Places into Level Ground. Today we'll be studying Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, and the parable of the vineyard owner. Jesus' parables are meant to reveal truth to us about our God, and as we see ourselves in the story, it reveals truths to us about ourselves as well. As we look at today's scripture in Matthew, he tells us a parable about a vineyard owner who goes out to hire workers for his vineyard. He goes to the marketplace where those in need of work would gather. Now, in Palestine during the first century, Those who were not slaves working for their owners had to find work by the day. They were socially viewed as lower than slaves, possibly those no one wanted to employ. Now, if they didn't get hired, it was very likely their families would not eat that night. These were men in a tight place, and we will see that some of them remained in the marketplace until the very end of the workday waiting and hoping right up until the very end that they might be hired, if only for an hour. Before we go to our scripture, please join me in prayer. Father, we give praise and glory to your sovereign care for each of us, your grace and promises to meet all of our needs. Father, we pray your wisdom will guide our study. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin with verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bible, please read with me. Here's the word of our Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again in the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. So in this parable, the vineyard represents God's kingdom, Israel, and the vineyard owner is God, who goes out from his kingdom to those in need of work. He hires an initial set of workers who negotiate and agree to work for a denarius. Now a denarius was a generous wage and was equal to what a Roman soldier would make in a day and a workday would run from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'm sure these workers felt like they just scored a really good deal. Not only were they the ones chosen for work, but arranged with the vineyard owner to be paid the good wage of a denarius. Right about now, they must have been feeling pretty good about themselves. As we move through these verses, we see that the vineyard owner goes back to the marketplace four more times, right up until the very last hour left in the workday. And each time he finds more men in need of work. Right up until that very last hour, there were men in need of work. They were the ones still there when most would have given up and gone home. Now throughout the day, as the men were hired, we see that the men hired later in the day did not question the amount they would be paid. They didn't count on themselves to arrange a good deal with the vineyard owner. They simply had faith and agreed to work for what the owner believed would be a fair wage. The first group of workers trusted in themselves. The latter groups of workers appeared to just be grateful and trusting in the fairness of the vineyard owner. So in these early verses, We see the vineyard owner leaving his kingdom and making the first step towards his people and calling to them, not just once, but multiple times throughout the day. We see God calling to his people and caring for them, every one of them, right down to the last hour. And at this point in the story, we can begin to ask ourselves, which of the men would we be? Would we be the ones bargaining with God for a good wage? Or those trusting in God for a good wage? Would we be the ones staying and waiting on God right up until the last hour? Or those giving up and going home? What is our response to difficult times in our lives? Where is our faith in God when all seems to be lost? When we are down to the last hour? and we're tired, maybe tired of waiting, discouraged, and truly do not know from where our help will come. Do we persist in our faith? Do we endure and trust in our God? Do we always believe our God will give us what is right? Is our view of God really that he is just and fair? Let's keep reading and see what light this story may shine into our lives and into our faith. In verses 3 and 4, God promises he is fair and will give us whatever is right. In Isaiah 46, 4, God says, I am your God and will take care of you until you are old and your hair is gray. In Philippians four nineteen, we are told God will supply every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. In the last hour of the workday, the hope of the workers remaining had to be next to nothing. Yet they stayed waiting, trusting, and believing in the face of a dwindling workday and a dwindling hope. Do we wait and in our faith trust and believe in our Lord's care? Let's read verses 8 through 10. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. God had made sure all the workers had enough to feed their families for the night. As it turned out, God paid all the men the same. All were paid the generous sum of one denarius. God did not keep the men hired last, those who had waited all day, he didn't keep them waiting any longer. They were paid first. Their worries were eased. They would quickly see that their needs would be met, and they could go and feed their families for the night. Those hired last saw their needs were met far better than they could ever have expected far better than they could have negotiated for using their own strength and resources. Now think for a moment. How do you feel about this? Regardless of the hours worked, all were paid generously. All were paid the same amount. Those that worked all day in the hot sun and those that worked only the last hour of the day. Do you feel yourself right about now thinking, wait a minute, this isn't fair. Have there been times in your life when you felt you deserved more than another? When you know you worked harder, believed you were more deserving, more worthy than another? How many times do we think things are unfair? How many times do we think our sovereign God has not acted justly? How many times do we think we know better? We know what's fair. We know what's just. How many times do we think that we know more than our God. Let's look to our story to see how the workers felt, reading verses 11 and 12. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Some of the workers in our story thought they deserved more than a denarius, even though they had agreed on that amount and that agreement had been honored. Their response was to grumble at God. They told God he was in essence wrong, as he had made all the men equal in their pay. There was no thank you for the generous pay. There was no gratitude for the generous amount they were paid. Instead, they were angry at God's goodness. They became the judge of what was good and what was right. They began to judge God. Can you start to see how easily this can happen in our lives? In Philippians 2, 14 through 16, we are told to do all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is what we do when we want something we don't get, when we covet what others have when we begrudge another's good fortune, and when we see ourselves as more deserving. And before we know it, we can find ourselves judging God, questioning his goodness. And this is just what Satan wants us to do, to question God's goodness and to begin to doubt. At this point, we have to question ourselves because we've all done this we all have had the voices inside our heads yell, hey, wait a minute, this is unfair, this isn't right. And we need to ask ourselves if we're wanting things more than God. Are we wanting things more than God's grace and mercy in our lives? Every time we decide to grumble, we're actually making a decision to deny God's sovereignty and God's grace and to deny the truth that all any of us have is due to God's unmerited grace to us. When we decide to grumble and not respond in gratitude for all we do have, we're in some way focusing on our pride, our abilities, our feelings of being better than another and valuing our self-sufficiency instead of the grace of God who enables all we do have. When our expectations are not met, when God has not done things as we see fit, our grumbling can also be a symptom of our unbelief as we question God's good for us and his ways, which are not our ways. Can we accept that we don't always understand why things work out as they do, but trust that God does and God is in control and God will always care for us and be with us, It's at these times we need instead to be calling out to God to help us in our trust and belief and to help us see there are things we're wanting more than God. It may be strength, health, wealth, more possessions, a bigger house, a nicer car. Anytime we grumble, anytime we covet what another has, we really need to look at ourselves in our heart. We need to realize God gives us all equally of his grace and mercy. All we have is from him, and his steadfast love he gives to us always. Let's go back to the passage to see God's response to his people's grumbling. In verses 13 through 16, God replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. God tells the people, look, I'm doing you no wrong. I've honored the agreement you made with me. The people had relied on their own strength and belief that they could make a better deal with the vineyard owner than he would make with them. They believed in themselves more than in him. God also raises the question of his sovereignty and the people's judging of his actions. And God is wanting us to know that God's kingdom works differently than what we think it should. How many times do we impose our reasoning onto God? As we look at God's question to us, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? How many times has our answer been, no, God, you need to do what I think is right for me and for others, even though we are all yours? So if I'm being honest here, I would have to say, No, God, you don't have the right to do what you choose with what is yours. And yes, God, if the truth be known, I do from time to time begrudge your generosity. So in conclusion, this parable raises many questions we need to ask ourselves about what we truly believe, what we believe about God's sovereignty, how strongly we believe God's promises to us, the strength of our faith when times get tough. And are we willing to be strong in our faith and wait on God? Do we go through life on our own strength rather than on God's? How much does envy and coveting what others have affect our lives, our happiness and ability to simply enjoy and be grateful for all we do have? How much are we really obeying God when he commands us to love one another as ourselves, if we secretly, in our hearts, covet what they have and resent what they have, believing we deserve to have more than them? In our pride, how much do we really look at another and think, wait a minute, I'm smarter, I work harder, I really do deserve more than the next guy? Are we living life so much on our own that we focus on what we can do and achieve and how we can get ahead without focusing first on our relationship with God? Is his word and its importance in our lives the most important thing and what is central in our lives? Do we maybe believe and trust in God, but kind of have him up on a shelf and take him down only for the big things when we pray for him to help us? Do we ask God into our lives only when our strength, finances, intellectual ability, ability to manipulate situations for our good, fails us? Do we wait to go to God when we get that phone call, that diagnosis, the pink slip, or any other number of times when life shows us just how fragile we really are? The reality is our life is is so very fragile. And we have a God who is sovereign over all, who is strong and comes to us asking us into his vineyard, into his kingdom constantly. Our Christian walk tells us the truth. It tells us that life will be hard and at times it will be unfair. But if we are strong in our Lord, in our walk with him, there will be abundant grace and mercy to care for us. If we would go to God for everything, every day, and let him be our Lord, let him love and guide us, and discipline us as we need it to lead us back to him, how very different our lives would be. How very different our lives would be if we could answer our Lord's question to us in this parable by saying, yes, God, You do have the right to do as you choose with what is yours. And yes, Lord, I do at times begrudge your generosity. Please forgive me and help me, Father, in the times of my unbelief and help strengthen my faith. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, praise God and God bless.